We are in Mormon chapter 4, and we find out at the very beginning it's been 10 years since they've been at war. And I wanted to let you know yesterday I did go back and do the math, and he could have been 24. There was quite a few years that passed, and so when I did it, like I said, I'm not great at that. I wish I was. There are people that really follow that timeline and know very well. I am not one of those. I don't know why history kind of, I'm fascinated by it, but it kind of goes in one ear and out the other and just doesn't make sense to me. Um, somehow my brain doesn't hold those dates. And so um, he could have been 24. I When I did it, I got that he was 34 and I started laughing. I thought, okay, chances are he was 24 and that he acted absolutely the workings of God came together to put him right where he needed to be to get those records. And that makes sense because of all the things that we know that God does in our own lives and all the things that we've seen in the scriptures. And so it really was a witness to me um, that God works miracles in our life. If we do all in our power, he moves heaven and earth and puts us where we need to, to be and brings things together to have us do what he needs us to do. And so that's more what I learned in doing that. But I did want to say, I think he might have been 24 or older. So I don't think he was this young 16, 20-year-old that I had in my mind. Years had passed. And so I wanted to make sure I said that. Okay, well, they've had this this treaty that they've come with where they've divided the lands and they each have their own lands and it's been 10 years of no war and here's the truth in that um how awesome that they get this chance to kind of regroup and repent and here in verse 2 mormon gets the opportunity to preach to them you know how he was forbidden not to now he gets the opportunity to, and that's just touching to me how obedient he is, but also that he gets the desire of his heart. Obviously, if he leads them, he loves these people and has hopes for them, as our prophet does, always and forever. That's one of the attributes of a prophet, is he is so Christ-like that he loves us despite our faults and hopes for us and has faith. And so I love in verse 2, it tells us that he's finally able to preach to them. But he also says that the preaching is in vain. That he says, this is your chance. Repent. This is your chance. And this is how it's orchestrated. The first he says, um, repent, come unto me. And build up my church. And I love that, that those are the three things he asks. It's a chance to repent, build up the church, and turn to him. And then it tells us in verse 3, but that was in vain. They would not, they did not realize it was the Lord that had granted them this chance for repentance. And they had hardened their hearts. And truly, that's what we see again and again in the scriptures through trials. It will even either soften us and have us in humility, turn to the Lord, or it will make us hard-hearted and wonder where he is. And truly, that this is an opportunity for us to really take um, an evaluation of where we are spiritually. Are we turning to God? Or are our hearts hardening? And it's just interesting to see that pattern. So he gets this letter in verse 4, the Lamanites invite them again to war. Here's your heads up. We're going to come against you to war. It's been 10 years. And so the treaty just doesn't last, which seems to be the case in most cases. Um, 
And so it shows us Mormon has this strategy. He gathers them together, even where he places them so that they're at the front of their lands and that the Lamanites will gain no more advantage. So here's Mormon again, using God's inspiration and using what he knows to be a benefit to these Nephites and to stop the Lamanites. And I think that's just so neat that God is still with Mormon. He's still directing Mormon and the Nephites, even though they are so wicked, are still being blessed by this incredible man of God. And so a lot of our blessings come from other people, our leaders, our parents, those around us who are valiant and who are righteous. And it is so important who we are surrounded by and who we look to to lead us, even though these Nephites don't give Mormon that credit. Okay, tells us that the Nephites win um, and the first battle and the Lamanites go away, and then the very next year, they have another battle. And this one, they win again, um, but it says there's one difference. It said they slew a great number, and so it tells you it was even a greater battle. And then here in verse 9, so we come off two of these battles, two that they win, and it says that the people began to boast in their own strength. So here they're not acknowledging God. They're proud of themselves, pride. They swear before the heavens they will avenge themselves, so revenge. And um, then in verse 10, swear by the heavens and the throne of God they would go to battle against their enemies. So they're going to lead out. They're not defending themselves. They're now going to seek it out. All three of those are against what we have been commanded of God. And the biggest one that hit me as I read this is when you swear by heaven or you swear by God, that is taking the name of God in vain. You are not honoring your oaths, your covenants, or anything that he has directed. And so you are using his name falsely or in vain. And all of a sudden that hit me very strongly because if you remember Amalickiah swears, takes an oath by God that he will drink the blood of Moroni. That is so evil in some way that I'm not fully aware of. That is such an evil thing to do and that God, it makes God so angry that you would use my name in that way, that you would use an oath, that you would use a promise, a covenant, an ordinance, any of that falsely and not the way we've been taught. That is very much against God and makes him angry. And so um, I love that it says that. Okay, so in 11, it came to pass Mormon. This is how much Mormon understands of this. The prophet understands. He says, okay, you know what? I am not leading you. This is three things that are offensive to God that you have not learned from this. You're taking all pride on yourselves that you want it, even if they're giving um, credit to Mormon as their leader. He knows that is hugely wicked and refuses to lead them. Okay, if you're going to give credit to me, I'm done because that was all God and he knows where all thanks should be given and so he refuses to lead them. He is so appalled at their wickedness and so is God. And then it says in 12, I had led them and I love this. He is so much like God. I had led them, notwithstanding their wickedness. I had led them many times to battle and had loved them. 
according to the love of God. And the love of God is that he loves us even in our sins and our weaknesses and has great hopes that we can repent and return, which was in me with all my heart and my soul and had poured out in prayer into my God all day long for them. Nevertheless, it was without faith. No, they hope. The prophet hopes, but he also knows God is a God of law. And when we don't do what God asks, there are consequences. That isn't praying for those. That isn't calling down those. That's prophesying. Woe unto you, because we know God is a God of law. And if you don't do this, guess what? This is what God has prophesied will happen, and I know it will happen. And so I love that he continues to pray, and I love that he continues to serve and love and lead them until it becomes this huge affront that you are using God's name falsely. And not only that, you're going out seeking war, so you're doing exactly what God has told you not to do. And I love in 13 that it says thrice I had delivered them. He had delivered them so many more times, but three is that number complete. It is symbolic that it is complete and it is um, heavenly and that it is an oath and a covenant. I think um, sacred. That's what it was. That's what the word was, sacred. And so that three again is they have not all of these things God has done that is complete to show his love sacred all of this, that has not made them repent of their sins. And then 14, and when they had sworn by all that had been forbidden of Jesus Christ, that they would go up and avenge themselves. And again, it's revenge and um, of their brethren. Then the Lord says in 15, vengeance. And isn't that interesting? It's the same word they say, I will avenge and revenge and all of that. And I love in 15 that he says, oh no, vengeance is mine and I will repay because these people have not repented after all I have done, after all that I have done to deliver and call out to them and beg them to come to me. Vengeance is mine. And what he means by that is you will be left without me. Just as Mormon said, okay, you keep attributing this to me, I'm done. I will not lead you. You will get to see. And that's what God says. Okay, you don't want me. I will honor that request that you have made. And I will not follow. And I will not come. And you will see. So it isn't that he inflicts it. The consequence when we cut ourselves off from God is eventually he says, Okay, I'm, I'm not there. I won't come. Even, you're not asking for me. But I will stay away because I still want you back. And so it's still a gift because I want you to see what your life is without me. His ultimate desire is for us to come. Okay, and so then it says, again, 16, I did refuse to go as the Lord commanded. And I stood as an idle witness. And I love that he has the word idle. He feels unuseful. He just has to witness to what is going to happen to them. And as he sees the prophecies fulfilled, which the Lord has had him prophesy and the Lord has told him. Okay, and so he writes it. And I love 17 through 19. He tells who he's writing it to. And we're in there, but he details all the people. So basically, it's for the whole world, all of us to know this story. And then he says in verse 20, and all these things that the Spirit manifest to me, and I write them to you. 
to us. For this cause I write that ye may know, ye will stand before the judgment seat of God. Every soul who belongs to the human family of Adam will stand to be judged of your works. And I love that he just makes no mistake. Every one of us is going to stand in front of him and answer for how we use this gift of life. Do not waste the days of your probation. Do not waste this time. We get this one opportunity to progress and become. There is something about our body and our spirit and the power that comes from choosing to try, strive is such a great word, every day to follow Christ and to better ourselves. Something incredible about that, that we will come back if we continue to push and to try every day and be so pleased with who we have become, how much we have learned, how much stronger we are, and how pleased the Lord is in the progress that we've made. But that's Every day, heed and diligence, waking up and saying, please help me be on my errand and partner with thee today. And every night going to bed saying, I'm so sorry I didn't listen to this prompting or obey it. And I lost my temper. I said something I shouldn't or I did this or that. But making an accounting to the Lord and every day beginning again, please help me be who you need me to be. That's what it's all about. And then it, I love that it says in 21, and also that ye may believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, which ye shall have, which we do. He knows we're going to have it. And this is a prophecy because they didn't all have it. And also the Jews and the covenant people of the Lord shall have other witnesses besides him. We have Mormon as a witness, but we have countless witnesses. And that they saw and heard Jesus whom they slew was the very Christ, the very God. And I love this last testimony right here in this verse in this chapter. And I would that I could persuade all ye ends of the earth to repent and prepare to stand before the judgment seat of God. And isn't that beautiful? He sees this whole people fall away that will not listen and hearken to his words. And so he's begging that the rest of us will what a gift that we have been given prophets to testify and lead us aright. And I pray that we take this and, and listen and go, okay, I want to be one who hearkens to those words and is not hard-hearted and doesn't give credit to myself or credit where credit is not due. Let's make sure that we witness those miracles and those answers to prayer right where they need to be given. And that power and that answer to prayer is God. All blessings, all good things come from God. I love that scripture. And I hope we know that's true. I hope you know the gospel is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much your Savior loves you.